Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas, and thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We're covering it all from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. BRD can cause significant economic losses in the beef industry, but what is it? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. USDA researchers in the Texas High Plains are playing a major role in developing technology to help farmers save irrigation water. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Spring work is picking up here on the Rolling Plains as the winter wheat crop comes back from the winter storm. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The competitions may be over, but there's still time to support the Texas youth who showed projects at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo earlier this month. Chris Bowman, HLSR president and CEO, says private auctions will be held in May. It's all part of a plan developed by show officials after consulting with state and local officials and medical professionals. As a part of this plan, we decided to move the auctions to May. And the reason for that is that brings a lot of people together. We felt like that was very risky to do in March. And we wanted to focus on making sure we created the right environment for our young people to stay healthy and they're not interacting with a lot of people. So we limited that. You can find this year's competition winners along with the dates for the individual auctions at RodeoHouston.com. Corn and sorghum planting is one-third done. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows that 38% of the corn crop is now in the ground. That's a bit ahead of the 34% five-year average pace. Sorghum planting making good progress as well. We're now 34% planted on sorghum, ahead of the 28% five-year average. Wheat crop ratings also out in this report, and they are improving. 7% of the wheat crop now rated excellent, 22% rated good, 42% rated fair, and 29% of the wheat crop rated poor to very poor. That's a big improvement when nearly 50% was rated poor to very poor two weeks ago. Respiratory disease costs Texas cattlemen a lot of money every year. Jessica Domel takes a closer look at this costly complex of diseases. Bovine respiratory disease is a major cause of economic losses in the beef cattle industry. But what exactly is it? Dr. Nathan Meyer, a professional services veterinarian for Beringer Ingelheim, says it's a complex. The term complex basically signifies that we have a mix of different pathogens. We have some viral players, we have bacterial players, and all those players interact to cause respiratory disease in, in cattle. It's not just uh, one specific pathogen, but we tend to think of it as a complex of pathogens, bacteria and viruses. 
BRD is most often found in calves at times of stress. This is a disease primarily of young animals. Now, once again, um, there are exceptions. We can't see it in adult cattle, but we tend to think of it as, as calves. Those cattle are younger, so they don't have near the immunity built up to the, the pathogens. And it is primarily a, a disease of, of young animals, especially when they're transitioning from one point in their life to the next. There's things that happen during that that can set them up for the disease. Dr. Meyer said there are several symptoms that could mean a calf has BRD. There's a great acronym, and it's been around for a while, and it's DART, and that's uh, D-A-R-T. And what that stands for is depression, appetite, respiration, and count. So with depression, we'll oftentimes see an animal that will isolate itself from the herd. Cattle are herd animals, so they like to be together. When an animal is, is getting sick, it oftentimes isolate itself. Additionally, they may show signs of depression, like their ears may be droopy, they just don't have that bright appearance that we'd expect them to see. If we look at the A part of DART, so appetite, animals that are sick with BRD, we don't see near the feed intake that we'd expect to see, so they'll go off feed. So they may have a gant, gaunt appearance to them and just not have that full healthy look. From a respiration, so the R in DART, those animals will typically have a higher respiration. They may take shorter, shallower breaths especially more advanced stages of disease, and then temp. So much like in, in most of our mammalian species, we'll see a higher temperature when an animal's sick. The same thing holds for cattle. When they're fighting off an infection, and these are infectious agents, they'll uh, typically run a higher body temperature. So DART is a great acronym to keep in the back of your mind when we're looking for signs of cattle that, that may be coming down with BRD. Calves with BRD may be given antibiotics, but Dr. Meyer said prevention is very important. We'll have some tips from him on that next week right here on Prime Cuts. Again, that was Dr. Nathan Meyer with Beringer Ingelheim. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA researchers in the Texas High Plains are helping farmers save irrigation water. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Earlier this week, we talked about the efforts of scientists at the USDA Research Lab in Bushland to help beef and dairy producers meet environmental goals. Today, we focus on the row crop side and work that relates to a very important priority for our farmers, limiting irrigation. The director of the Bushland Lab, Dr. David Brower, says USDA researchers have been working to design software for automating and scheduling irrigation. It's a project that involves collaboration with commercial partners, including Valmont, the company whose products include Valley Irrigation Equipment. As most of our farmers know, what's in that control box of their center pivot, that's proprietary software. And you need some sort of access with that industry partner if you want to plug in a software add-on to that to do things. And so we've been really grateful with the interaction that we've had with this irrigation manufacturer. The add-on Dr. Brower referred to is a USDA-developed software program that collects and synthesizes data provided by plant stress sensors and soil moisture sensors and then sends that information on to the irrigation system's control panel. The plant stress sensor tells us when to irrigate, and the soil moisture sensor tells us how much. And they give you two different vital parts of data that you kind of need to do the whole thing, and the whole thing being applying exactly the right amount of water 
for the yield target you're envisioning. According to Dr. Brower, the researchers found that with the use of this software, it's possible to save as much as eight inches of water in a season. Dr. Brower says the hope is to have this technology available commercially in the near future. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring work is picking up on the rolling plains of Texas as the winter wheat crop comes back from the winter storm. Barry Mahler has more from Wichita Falls. Ground preparation for cotton and milo planting is picking up steam across the rolling plains while the finishing touches are applied to the winter wheat crop. Most of the top-dressed fertilizer went out in January and February, and producers have been following up with herbicide treatment for weeds and even a little green bug spraying, trying to squeeze the best yield possible out of a crop that's heading toward a better market than we've seen in a while. There were certainly some question marks about the crop as the February spell set new records for cold, and the crop was definitely burned on the tips. But as the sun came out, the snow and ice disappeared, it looked much better in a very short time. In just a few days, it was apparent that winter wheat is a hardy crop and recovered very well. In fact, it's seen a good growth spurt with warm conditions and some spotty rains to help out. The six-month rally in grain markets is providing the best opportunity for a profit we've seen in a long time, with cash wheat over $6 per bushel and holding on good demand. The higher price will be needed as input costs continue to climb with no relief in sight. In just two months, we've seen fuel prices rise by 60 cents per gallon or more, and the big increase has been in nitrogen fertilizer. Nitrogen prices were running just over $200 per ton in early January when farmers began to top dress, but by early March, a ton of 3200 costing $380 or more. Increased demand and higher natural gas prices being cited for the increase. We're being told by government forecasters that inflation is low to non-existent, but I think many farmers and ranchers would debate that statement. Still some tall hurdles to jump before this crop is in the bend, including drier weather that's in several long-range forecasts. Winter wheat needs lots of moisture over the next two months to set and fill the seed head. Another weather challenge is a late freeze episode that keeps the head from filling. We've experienced that several times over the last few years. And, of course, there's always that hail from a spring thunderstorm that can wipe out a crop in a matter of minutes. But even with all the challenges that lie ahead, the crop looks promising right now, and there's a good market awaiting its arrival. This is Barry Mahler reporting from Wichita Falls for Texas Ag Today. Spotted sea trout fishing will be temporarily limited along parts of the Texas coast. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain why coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a common injury in large breed dogs is the rupture of a ligament in the knee. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
A very common injury in large breed dogs is the rupture of a ligament in their knee, and the treatment of that injury can affect the life expectancy of the dog. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. Rupture of the cranial cruciate ligament in the dog's knee or stifle can occur from an injury or it can occur over a period of time, especially in dogs that are overweight. It can also occur in both knees and can lead to long-term arthritis if not treated appropriately. Diagnosis of the disease can usually be determined by a vet exam, but x-rays are usually required to make sure there are no other problems. In most cases, this is a surgical disease, as surgical treatment has been shown to be the most effective treatment. Conservative medical therapy can be used consisting of pain medications, anti-inflammatories, and joint supplements, but these drugs do not correct the problem and allow arthritis to develop due to instability of the joint. Most studies have looked at responsive lameness to surgical versus medical therapy, and surgical treatment has been shown to be more effective at reducing lameness. And unfortunately, surgery for this condition, especially in large breed dogs, is expensive, so lots of folks choose medical treatment. However, a recent study looked at life expectancy of dogs that had surgical treatment versus dogs treated medically. And it was found that dogs treated surgically lived longer than dogs treated medically. And it is not that cruciate disease is deadly, but these dogs develop such severe arthritis that they are painful and not leading a quality life. As some of these dogs cannot get up due to severe arthritis, euthanasia may be recommended. So if surgery for cranial cruciate ligament disease can be performed, it can increase life expectancy in your pet. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spotted sea trout fishing will be temporarily limited along parts of the Texas coast. Jessica Domel explains why in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission took action Wednesday to allow the spotted sea trout population along part of the Texas coast time to recover from the February winter freeze. The cold temperatures led to the deaths of more than 100,000 spotted sea trout along the lower Laguna Madre alone. Robin Rikers, director of TPWD's Coastal Fisheries, presented the proposal. At this point, based on what we know about the fish mortality of the event in the Laguna Madre, the upper Laguna and the lower Laguna as compared to past freezes, we would recommend a emergency rule dealing with the Laguna Madre only. We would recommend that it deal with spotted sea trout as we discussed only. We would recommend a three fish bag limit and a 17 to a 23 inch slot limit. Rikers told the commission that reducing the bag limits for spotted sea trout and limiting the lengths of sea trout that may be kept will increase the amount of spawning stock still in the Laguna Madre when spawning season begins. For instance, if you took three fish there, you would see that the basic equivalent of a three fish bag limit reduction would be about 6% increase in your spawning stock biomass. Spotted sea trout typically start spawning in April, depending on water temperatures, and spawn until August and September. The commission passed the emergency rule Wednesday. It will now be published in the Texas Register. The rule will go into effect after it is filed with the Secretary of State and is expected to remain in place until 120 days have passed unless lifted sooner by the commission. The closure would impact anglers on the beach and fishing on a boat. The area impacted would be from the southern area of the Packery Channel south to the Rio Grande. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Well, it's been a good week for the cattle futures market. Four days in a row now of higher prices. However, we cannot say the same thing in the cotton market. The bottom fell out on Thursday. We'll take a closer look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It has been an optimistic week for the cattle market. We've seen both live and feeder cattle futures move higher four days in a row now. We wrapped up higher on Thursday with April live cattle up 42 cents, 119.55. June live cattle up 77 at 121.07. August up 62 cents, 120.37. Same story in feeder cattle with March feeders up 37 cents, 136.15. April feeder cattle up a dollar seventy seven at one forty four twenty two. May feeder cattle up a dollar eighty one forty nine twelve. The cash fed cattle market was optimistic this week as well. We tacked on a little money. Kansas and Texas feedlots selling cattle at one fifteen. That's fifty to a dollar higher compared to last week. Up north, Nebraska sold cash cattle at one sixteen. And dressed cattle took a nice jump as well up in the Midwest. They sold cattle on the rail at 185 this week. That's $3 higher compared to last week. Boxed beef prices continuing to climb. Choice up $1.32 on Thursday at 236.16. Select up 264, 226.71. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to sell some cattle. We sold them at Nixon on Monday. That's Nixon Livestock down there uh, east of San Antonio between there and Cuero. Gary Butler, how did that sale go? Oh, we had a good sale, Larry. Uh, we had, uh, well, I think 700 uh, Sunday. When I talked to you, we wound up with 940 hit, 155 cows and 38 bulls. Calf market uh, seemed to be about steady. Uh, two and three weight steers, a dollar forty-nine to a dollar eighty. Heifers, a dollar thirty-two to a dollar ninety. Three and four weight steers, a dollar forty-one to two twelve. Heifers, dollar seventeen to a dollar fifty. Four and five weight steers, dollar forty-one to a dollar ninety-eight. Heifers, a dollar twenty-one to a dollar fifty-four. Five and six weight steers, dollar thirty-one to a dollar seventy. Heifers, dollar seventeen to a dollar fifty-five. Six and seven weight steers, dollar twenty-three to a dollar forty-six. Heifers, a dollar eleven to a dollar thirty-eight. Seven eight weight steers and bull yearlings, dollar twenty to a dollar thirty-four. And the heifers, ninety-seven to a dollar eighteen. Uh, got sixty-six on the best cow slaughter bulls, fifty to eighty-six. Six stocker cows, four fifty to eleven and a quarter pairs were eight thirty to eleven uh, thirteen sixty. Excuse me. 
What do you know for next week? Know of uh, about 35, 40 head coming that I know of. About 20 or so packer cows. All right. Well, there's a good start to the sale this next Monday in Nixon. Gary Butler, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You can catch us here at Selborne, 830-582-1561 or 62. You can catch me on my mobile, 830-857-4330 there. Gary, thank you so much for being a part of Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good day, neighbor. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs continue to climb sharply higher. April up another dollar ninety to close at ninety-nine sixty-seven. May hogs up two oh two ninety-eight eighty-two. Class three milk was mixed. March milk down four cents, sixteen nineteen a hundred. April milk up sixteen at sixteen seventy-eight. Well, the bottom just fell out of the cotton market on Thursday. Of course, we've seen prices drift lower for the last couple of weeks now, but it seemed like it all came crashing down on Thursday. Looks like the bulls in the market finally threw in the towel and got out, and that caused prices to finish sharply lower. In fact, limit down on the nearby contract. Several reasons combining to make up for this big drop in the market. We have a stronger dollar, a weak-looking chart, There's fear of Chinese retaliation over banned cotton from China. Also, we're getting toward the end of the month, and a lot of folks like to make adjustments there. So a lot of factors adding up to a sharply lower cotton market. The May contract, limit down 400 points, 78.44. July, limit down 400, closing at 79.52. New crop December cotton down 383 points to close at 76.55. Good weather continues to pressure the wheat market. July Kansas City wheat dropping nine and a quarter, five seventy-three a bushel. July Chicago wheat down ten and a quarter at six oh eight and a half. And we saw a lower close in the corn market. May corn down six and three quarters, five forty-six and a half. September corn down four, four eighty-two and three quarters, while the December was down three and a half, four sixty-five and a half. Checking the energy markets now, April natural gas up a nickel, 257, May crude oil down 279 at 5839 a barrel. The financial markets higher, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 209 points, 32,641, the Nasdaq up 29, 12,991, the S&P 500 up 26 points at 3,915. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, and don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.